You know, there's so many different uh, ways that I could have gone, and I really felt led of the Lord uh, to talk about Hannah uh, this morning and glean some things about uh, about mothers, some of the the traits of motherhood, some of the traits of mothers that uh, are a, a tremendous blessing. Uh, to us as husbands who have wives that are mothers and those of us who have mothers, whether they are still with us or have gone on to be with the Lord, uh, we know how precious and how impactful they've been on who we have become as individuals, an impact on our walk with the Lord, and how we regard others. But this story starts in verse 1. And I'll start, and I'll, that's where I'll start reading. And it says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Yeroham, the son of Elihu the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Everybody say, uh-oh. He's got two wives, so uh-oh. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. So, I feel like we need to spend a little time here. There will come a time when Hannah will know the joys of motherhood. But this is not that time yet. This is prior to knowing that joy. This is the, the agony. This is the pain. This is the desperate desire to, to know that joy. And it said, year after year after year, her husband would go to the city to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. So she had a husband who was a man of God. Yet she still had pain. She had a husband who loved her. He gave her a double portion. 
whenever he made his offering. And it says he loved her the way this is written. He loved her although the Lord had closed her womb. So societally, in that culture, it was a great shame for her not to, for her to be barren, for her to not be able to bear children. It's a great shame. You looked upon as cursed. You looked upon as God has something against you. Something is wrong with you. Your, your identity is wrapped into your ability to bear children and you can't do this. I'm not saying what's right. I'm just saying what is. Right? And so here she is, barren. And to make matters worse, she lives in the house and is, she's married to a man who has another wife and she's living under that roof and the other wife, I'm telling you, that oven is producing a lot of buns. All of her children, sons, daughters, she she is abundantly blessed in that area and you can't even have one. Can you imagine that? The men looking at me like, no, no, I can't imagine that. I'm hoping that we can really get into her mind, her situation that she was dealing with and to make matters worse, not only is the other wife abundantly blessed in bearing children, daughters, and sons to the same husband, this other wife is mean-spirited about it. Now, the way I read this, when he went to go worship in the city, he took his family along with him to do the sacrifices and gave each of them their portions. And so, go with me here. When they're there in Shiloh, the, the husband is there so the family can give thanks to God, sacrifice to God for his provision, for his divine providence, for his blessing, for his favor. And every time they go, the cry of her heart is, Lord, fertilize my womb. Lord, Give me the ability to have a child. That's the cry of her heart. And the other wife, knowing that that's the desire of her heart, knowing that that's what she's crying out to God for, in Shiloh, in the place where she's hoping to have an encounter that transforms her life, she is turning the knife and mocking her. He calls her her rival. I'm reading New King James Version. The other woman is her rival. And it says she provoked her severely, intentionally to make her miserable, as if she wasn't already miserable. And it says she did it because the Lord had closed her womb. I mean, thinking about think about that. That's like a scarlet letter. And so it went on year by year. Every year, this repeated. She went up to the house of the Lord every year and she got provoked every year, but she kept going and she kept praying and she kept believing. And to me, that speaks to a character trait of motherhood. You know, 
motherhood is, is, is enduring. It is persistent. Right? It's, it, it, it endures through pain, through struggle, through condemnation, through life's hits, through life's trials and tribulations. Mothers endure. They are persistent. They are long-suffering. Even with not-headed little boys like I was, my mother's love was never in doubt for me. Right? Even when others would be willing to give up and just confine you to lost cause status, mama is still holding on, still believing, still seeing that potential in you, still praying for you to find God, still praying for you to fully realize the God-given purpose and potential that you have. Mama still sees you as a diamond in the rough. You look like a lump of coal to everybody else, but mama still sees the diamond. Amen? Mama can be hurting on the inside and still somehow, it's, it's a God-given thing, still somehow miraculously serve to have a reserve of love, a reserve of patience, a reserve of understanding, a reserve of what we need because you know what? We're always drawing on mama. Christy and I had our 27th anniversary yesterday. Love you, babe. And you know what? We all draw on her just as much today as we've always done. And I'm still telling the kids, go ask your mother whenever they're looking for something. All right? <laughs> I help in the areas that I can help, but mama is the resource at our house. I don't know how it is at your house, but mama is the resource. She's the go-to. And you know what? God is able. God is awesome. I'm sure he'd give us the grace and he'd give us the wisdom to move on if she wasn't there. But man, it would be a major adjustment and it would take a lot of time and it just wouldn't be the same ever. Right? But mamas are enduring. You got to have persistence to be a mother. You got to be long-suffering. Uh, and you know what? You have to be a fighter. Right? I don't know. As a guy, if that was two guys going through, I mean, in that situation, instead of uh, Panina and Hannah, I know how we guys would have dealt with that. We guys would have knuckled up. We would have just had it out, and we would have dealt with it. <laughs> we would have dealt with it. But she kept it to herself. She didn't get pulled into that fight. She knew that was the wife of her husband. That was also the wife of her husband, the mother of his children. So she did not, she did not war after the flesh, right? She kept focused on God, knowing that God is the source of the answer to her prayer. 
that that if things were going to be transformed, if things were going to be changed, if things were going to if things were going to turn around, it was going to be through his answer to her prayer, through his provision, through his divine providence. And so she kept her focus there. Let's move on. Uh, I don't want to uh, stay there too long, but I wanted to kind of lay that foundation before we finish out this chapter. But let's go to verse eight. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? See, she would weep. She couldn't even eat. This woman was depressed. I mean, just think of how deep her pain and her anguish and her sorrow is. And her husband, she has a husband that is sensitive to her. He, you can tell he loves her. He's perceptive. And he says, why are you crying? Why are you not eating? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now, Hannah spoke in her heart. Have you ever done that? The words may not be coming out audibly. You're praying in your heart. You're praying under your breath. It's like it's, you're in too much anguish. You're pouring out yourself. And you would, if you were observing yourself, you would look silly. You would look out of sorts. You would look like something's wrong with you and that you need help. Well, really, we do need help in those situations. She's crying out to God, but her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll continue on there, but I just want to stop there for a minute and reiterate something I said a couple of minutes ago. Elkanah really, sincerely loved Hannah. That's why he was perceptive enough to know that something was wrong. He was aware by what he said here. He was aware that her infertility was the source of her anguish. And he cared enough to make what I would say is a wrong-headed attempt to cheer her up. What's wrong, baby? He knew the fertility was an issue. Aren't I better than you to you than 10 sons? It's an attempt out of our maleness. It's an attempt to cheer her up. But it's a wrong-headed attempt to cheer her up. Now, don't get me wrong. He did love her, and he meant well. The problem wasn't his heart or his intentions. He didn't sin here, and what he said wasn't necessarily wrong. The problem here is that his well-meaning comment was dripping with male perspective and naivete. You don't have to say amen. 
I'm just going to tell it like I see it. <laughs> uh, you know what? He can't relate to where she's at. He's fertile. He's had children. Right? He's got children. He'll never know the shame being barren in a society that measures your value by your ability to produce children. Particularly sons. He's also unaware, I believe he's unaware of the mean-spirited emotional abuse Panina hurls at her every year in Shiloh where she cried out desperately to God every year to give her the ability to have children. Just think about that. You know, uh, and I, I didn't, sorry babe, I didn't ask Christy about this, but when we first started to have children and and we I had a miscarriage on the first one. My attempt to cheer my wife up in that moment was out of my male perspective. And I'm trying to, I, I, her heart is grieved and I'm saying, it's going to be all right, baby. You know, we'll, we'll try again. You know, we'll have, God will bless us with another child. And out of her heart, she was like, yes, I believe that, you know, but, you know, but we still lost this one, <laughs> you know? I can't remember exact words, but that, but that was the gist of it. You know, we can have all the children we want. They can't replace the loss of this one. Right? And so that baby had been in her womb. You know, that was a life that she was going, looking forward and excited to give birth to. And that baby was miscarried. And so, and so we've not, Everybody knows we have uh, four children in, in our hearts, and the way we view it is we've had five. We have five. Well, uh, one of them, we just didn't get to live life with here on this earth. The Lord has been taking care of him, him or her the whole time, and we'll see him, him or her, <laughs> when we get, <laughs> we'll see him or her on the other side. Amen? And so, and so we just praise God and we thank God for taking care of the little one that has been in his care all this time. But that's the difference of perspective. In my, I tried to encourage her, but my male perspective lacked something, right? And I learned something in that moment from my wife, you know, that my mindset, the way that the guy thinks in these situations is not sufficient <laughs> in order to, you know, encourage and strengthen her in this moment. I'm going to have to try and find her heart and relate to where she's at. And I'm going to have to try and minister to her on, uh, from her perspective on her level. Amen? And so her husband meant well, but he didn't know the full story. And as good as he is to her, and I want to... I want to praise God in this, and I want to bring this to your attention. God blessed her with a godly man who loved her despite her barrenness. That could have easily not been the case for her, right? And sometimes we go through these hardships, and we wonder, where was God in the middle of it? 
Well, she's got a godly man who loves her. Amen. Now, in his maleness, he tried and he, he tried and, and, and failed to encourage her in this, but he tried. Right? And so, so she's got a good man. But as good as he is, he cannot fill that void. Right? As good as he is, he cannot fill that void. As, as he could have said the perfect words and it still would not have been able to fill that void. And so here she is. With her husband unable to fully relate to what she was going through and with her in-house rival using her shame and pain as a weapon against her. Let's see what Hannah does. She goes to the throne of grace. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away, put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. So her husband can't fully relate. Her rival is using it as a weapon against her. She completely pours out herself to God. And to me, that is another trait of godly women, of godly mothers, constantly pouring themselves out. Pouring themselves out before God, pouring themselves out in serving their husbands, pouring themselves out in serving their children, constantly pouring, pouring, pouring themselves out. Are you hearing me? She doesn't even have a child yet, but she's pouring herself out to God because she desires to have one. And I don't think it's just selfish. You know, she wants to bear a child for her husband as well. She wants to bear a child. She wants, God put that innate desire in her. She wanted to have a child. Then Eli, let's move on, answered and said, I love this. Go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. It doesn't even say that she told him what the petition was. He didn't even hear, have to hear that. He said, go in peace. God grants you the, the petition that you asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. 
You know what? Those words were from the Lord. She received them as from the Lord. Hannah knew that she had broken through. She had knocked long enough and hard enough on the door that God had opened it for her. And so she was, she knew she had broken through. And once she knew that, her countenance changed. She was no longer crestfallen. She was no longer sad and discouraged and her appetite returned. Amen. So, and I tell you what, mothers know how to, they know how to connect with God. They go to God. They will storm that throne room of grace on behalf of their families, on behalf of their husband, on behalf of their children. They know how to, they know how to connect with God. And in their desperation, oftentimes in their desperate times, when there's no other option, no other alternative, they'll go to God with their last hope. And they will cling to God on behalf of their loved ones. I'm standing here before you today because I had a praying grandmother and a praying mother. They persisted. I'm not saying they were perfect. Hannah's not perfect. None of us are, right? But she knew who God was. She knew his heart. She knew his character. She put her trust in him. Even when her body failed, she cried out to God. Even when her rival mocked her and scorned her and made her miserable, she cried out to God. Even when her husband, in his attempt to encourage her and lift her up, fell far short of that, of meeting the need that she had, she cried out to God. And she kept crying out to God. And she didn't give up. She persevered in it until she broke through. And I'm telling you, there are, my mother and my grandmother prayed for me until, uh, until God broke through and grabbed a hold of me. And I'm so grateful, so grateful to God for that. So be grateful to God for your mothers. Be thankful that they watched jealously over you. That they're praying for you tearfully in the middle of the night while you're sleeping peacefully. While they're dealing with their own issues and need their own healing in the process. Mothers are amazing. So she broke through. And let's go on and read the next couple of verses. 17 and 18. Oh, I'm sorry. We read 17 and 18. Let's go to 19 and 20. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son, hallelujah, and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Remember, that's what they did every year. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. I'm looking at this, and and maybe I'm just looking at it from my carnal mind or whatever, but this little exchange right here could have been a major intense moment of fellowship. This could have been a real fight, right? I mean, they went and did this every year. She knew how important this was to the husband, and they said, hey, all right, it's time to go. Make our sacrifice. Let's honor God. She said, "Mm mm-mm. I'm not doing it this year. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it until the young one is weaned. And yet, I, I love his response here because it, 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 it shows some understanding, it shows some compassion, and it shows his willingness to allow God's will to happen apart from his routine. He could have doggedly said, no, this is what we do. But he heard the heart of his wife. You know, and he yielded to that. And, and you know, he said, only let God establish his word. And then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. So she's being a woman of her word here. And she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. I hate to add a little levity to this, but me and Christy were talking about this this morning. And she's like, if that was a woman today, you know, be saying, you know what? I'm the woman you thought was drunk the last time you saw me. You were wrong about that, by the way. But she, but she doesn't even address that. She comes and she says, oh, my Lord, uh, as your soul lives, my Lord, I'm the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped, they worshiped the Lord there. And so I, so I look at this. And I know uh, we, this story, I could have chosen a story that actually started off with the beginning of motherhood. But, you know, I felt like she exhibited some character traits that I think need to be extolled, that need to be praised, that need to be acknowledged in motherhood. And there was a phrase that was brought to mind, and I'll just just say, I feel like the Lord may have dropped it into my spirit, that the ultimate, you know, motherhood is, motherhood is the ultimate service industry. (laughs) 
it is just absolutely the ultimate service industry. And oftentimes, service, service industries, we kind of take it for granted. There's been many times in my life I've taken my mom's motherhood for granted. And I just want to encourage you, and I'm not accusing you of it, I'm just exhorting you. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'm just exhorting you. This woman, this precious woman, Hannah, her desperate desire to have a child displays the unyielding, unwavering heart a mother has toward her children. That desire she had to have a child, that desire does not wane. It does not lessen once she gets them. Your mother may chastise you. Your mother may discipline you. Your mother may tell you things you don't like. But please don't allow those things to lie to you or deceive you into believing that she doesn't love you more than anyone else on this earth. Amen? And I'll say this. Her desire uh, uh, for that child uh, aside, there were times when I sought acceptance and belonging unsuccessfully, you know, uh, in the world. Uh, there were things my mom advised me against that I, that I went against and paid the, and paid the cost for. But every time, whether I came back on a high or a low, whether I came back a success or a failure, whether I did what she said or didn't do what she said, every time the acceptance and belonging I wasn't getting out there, I got it from her. Right? My, but, but apart from my performance, my mother loved me and received me. And so... So I just want to I just want to commend mothers for their heart toward us. Their enduring, persistent, long-suffering, fighting spirit. They're constantly serving, constantly pouring themselves out for us. And just like Hannah is blessed was blessed with a child. You know what? Your mother considers herself blessed to have you. You know, and there's a scripture in Proverbs that tells us that uh, let your mother, that mother that bore you rejoice. (laughs) And so, um, so I'm going to uh, Proverbs chapter 23. I didn't give you that back there. I'm just referencing it. But it said, let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you 
rejoice. I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and stand this morning. Husbands, I want to challenge you in your desire to relate to your wife or uh, your desire to comfort your wife and so forth. I'm going to challenge you to, before you do so, open yourself up to God and pray to him and that he will help you get out of your maleness and 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 approach her and try to reach her heart as a woman where she's at lord give me insight and wisdom that i may approach her in a way that's actually going to bless her that's actually going to speak exactly to where she's at and that's actually going to be uh uh, the, the water that she needs in the middle of that desert. I, I, I want to, I, I want to be an agent of yours, Father God, that's going to actually be used by you to, 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 to speak the word that needs to be spoken, to, to stay silent when I need to stay silent, to, 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 to be that, to be there in that moment and, and just realize when my presence is all that's needed. I don't need to fix it. I want to fix it. I want to make it better. I want to make it right. I want to be the hero. And and Father, those are those are good, admirable qualities and so forth. But but Father God, we just need to allow you to be the hero. And we need to humble ourselves and learn how we might partner with you in order to fill whatever void needs to be filled, in order to provide what our heart, our soul needs in that moment in time. So I just want to encourage you guys. We've got to get out of our maleness. Kids, children, whether you are young kids or adults and so forth, I just want to remember, I just want you to remember, just take a moment right now And I hope God brings things to your mind that you've taken for granted and, and haven't thought about in a while. I want you to think about all the ways, all the things your mother has done has done for you. What she does for you every day. What she's done for you the entirety of your life. From the seemingly little things to the big things. Has she been enduring? Has she been patient with you? Has she been persistent? Has she poured herself out to you? Over and over and over again, she does it how often have you thanked her? When's the last time you've thanked mom 
for how she's mothered you in various situations throughout your life each and every day. I want to encourage you, don't take her for granted. I know you love her. And I know in your own way you appreciate what mama does. But I want you to strive for that more excellent way of honoring your mother. I want you to strive on a good, better, best scale. I want you to go best. I want you to go all out in honoring her. I want you to listen to her words. When she teaches you, just receive it as as it has come from the Lord. When she imparts truth to you, don't dismiss it. Receive it. When she corrects you, don't buck against it. Humble yourself. Receive it. Pray every day for God to give you a heart of thanksgiving towards your mom. A heart to honor your mom and to be appreciative of the way that she lovingly and dutifully serves and pours herself out. And you know, I would even add this, ask God to help you pray for her. The struggles that she goes through that you may never know about. The things that she covers up because your needs mean more to her than her own. You don't have to know all of those things, but I pray that God puts it on your heart to pray for your mother, to lift her up, to always say, to always pray for her strength, to always pray for her faith, to always pray for her to be encouraged and, and for her needs to be ministered to and for her prayers to be answered. And for whatever woundings and scarrings and things that she is struggling with from her own things that she's encountered in life, for her to be healed from those things. Let's not allow mom to pour out and not be poured into. I hope you're hearing me. Husbands and children. Let's pour back into these wonderful women who've been so faithful to God and so faithful to us uh, over the years. Father, we just thank you for our mothers. Be with us today, Lord, as uh, for those of us who are blessed enough to still have our mothers with us and uh, have access to them. So I ask you to be with us and, and bless us, Father God, as uh, we honor them uh, today. And, and Father God, for those of us who can't physically be with our mothers, either they live in uh, other states and we can't uh, touch them, hug them, feel them, uh, Father God, may we get in touch with them via phone, via Zoom, and whatever uh, whatever way, Father God. We just, just put it on our hearts to find a way to reach out to our moms and just tell them how much we love them and appreciate them and, and uh, just to bless them as much as we can. And, and uh, 
And Father God, you know, I just I lift up those today whose whose mom has gone on to be with the Lord. And and Father God, I pray that you give them peace, Father God, uh, on this Mother Day, on this Mother's Day, Father God. Uh, particularly, this may be the first Mother's Day for some uh, without their mother. And so, so Father God, I just pray that. That, that you would be there with them and comfort them in this moment, Father. And, and you know, bring up to their memories, Father God, uh, memories that will make them laugh, memories that will put a smile on their faces, uh, uh, memories that uh, will, will have them remember fondly all the quality time and, and, and all the, the blessed parts of relationship that they've experienced with their mom over the years, Father God. And so... Um, and, and let them be sustained in that and encouraged in that. So, Father, we ask you all these things, and we give you praise and glory, and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, um, bless you guys in the Lord. I hope this was an encouragement to you, and and uh, and I just hope you guys are tremendously blessed and uh, enjoy the rest of this Mother's Day Sunday. Praise the God. Praise the Lord. Love you guys. Bye.